KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Wednesday, September 15th. Climate change and working outside. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. California voters have rejected the effort to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. The Associated Press called the race less than an hour after the polls had closed. Newsom spoke to reporters in Sacramento minutes later. We said yes to vaccines. We said yes to ending this pandemic. We said yes to people's right to vote without fear of fake fraud or voter suppression. We said yes to women's fundamental constitutional right to decide for herself what she does with her body. In just about two weeks, the state's vaccination mandate for healthcare workers goes into effect. Unlike other requirements, there's no testing opt-out option. Already, health systems are getting hundreds of requests for religious exemptions, but legal analyst Dan Eaton says there's a gray area in determining what actually qualifies as a religious exemption. Employers certainly can have uh, employees fill out a form explaining the basis of the religious exemption. That's really designed to see whether the basis of the religious exemption is really tied to religion or whether it's tied more broadly to a philosophical uh, resistance. In San Diego, county public health officials reported 593 new coronavirus infections yesterday and five additional deaths. According to the county's latest numbers, daily hospitalizations of COVID-19 are more than 47 times higher among the unvaccinated compared to those who are vaccinated. From KPBS, you are listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. A recent study of the planet's warming climate predicts working outside will become riskier as communities endure more extreme heat days more often. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson says that has implications for the nation's economy. Josh Middleton scans a project blueprint in the shadow of a trolley platform at the university town center. We have to run a pipe from here to here. 33-1. Middleton runs Siege Electric, a firm as a subcontractor on the Midcoast Trolley Extension, one of San Diego County's largest public works projects. His workers, Vassal Chan and Brandon Shortreed, 
are up in a cherry picker under a track platform. They're drilling holes into the underside of the trolley bridge, installing electrical lines that connect to an electrical box just across the street. I don't see it on this column here. Only select columns under trolley stations will be lit so passengers can find the platforms at night. And Middleton says this work is fortunately in the shade. But that's not the case for every job. In fact, sun and heat can be brutal without special gear. They make certain visors, your, your, your sunglasses, um, different types of cooling packs. Gear sometimes isn't enough as hot spells get more intense, happen more often, and last longer. Middleton says the key is finding ways to cope. Like I said, it's really based on the circumstances of the job environment. We would increase water intake and we would probably allow more time for break periods. Union rules require extra attention for people working in hot conditions. Middleton makes sure his employees have plenty of shade and at least two gallons of water per worker. The climate scientists warn that making simple adjustments may not be enough. A recent report, Too Hot to Work, from the Union of Concerned Scientists, finds outdoor workers face higher risks as the number of extreme heat days goes up and the intensity of heat spells increases. Between now and the middle of the century, outdoor workers are going to increasingly lose work time because it's too hot to work. And in many cases, that's going to mean that they will lose out on potential earnings as well. The group's climate researcher, Christina Dahl, says those lost earnings could total more than $55 billion a year by the middle of the century. And communities of color will suffer more. People who identify as Black, African-American, Hispanic, or Latino make up about 32% of the population in the U.S., but they make up about 40% of outdoor workers. And in some different occupations, those numbers are even higher. The analysis concludes that more than 7 million workers could lose up to 10% of their pay because of extreme heat conditions that keep them from doing their job. Employers can provide extra protection and more breaks, but a report co-author, Rachel Licker, says avoiding work in the middle of the day doesn't always help. Shifting work schedules to cooler parts of the day can in and of itself have implications that are negative for outdoor workers. So, you know, not everyone wants to work nighttime shifts. Um, it can have implications for your ability to see your family, your mental health, etc. Licker says the federal government can take action to keep workers from suffering in the heat as it protects their pocketbooks. She says all those lost wages could have negative effects on local, regional, and national economies. But Licker says slowing climate change remains the best strategy for avoiding extreme heat. We can save you know, tens of billions of dollars in outdoor worker earnings if we take action now. And those solutions to climate change we have in hand, you know, these are measures like you know, investing in more renewable energy resources so we can get off of fossil fuels, electrifying more of our energy systems. A recent United Nations climate report found that moderating climate change may be a good strategy, but climate change is already here, and companies and workers will have to find ways to cope with the extra heat. And that was KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson. Just in time for the peak of wildfire season, San Diego County has a new tool to help combat blazes. KPBS's Melissa May was on site for a demonstration. 
San Diego County's first helihydrant is now accessible to the region's fleet of firefighting helicopters to help combat wildfires. This new 5,000-gallon water tank can be continuously refilled and remotely controlled by a helicopter pilot, just the way fire trucks hook up to hydrants on the street. So to have a dedicated uh, water source like this, a water resource, is uh, incredibly valuable, and we certainly uh, will be using it, uh, hopefully not too soon, but uh, I'm sure it will eventually see some use. North County Fire Protection District Chief Keith McReynolds says there are a lot of devastating wildfires in this region. His district partnered with the Rainbow Municipal Water Department and Cal Fire San Diego to build the heli hydrant. This partnership is known as the Rapid Area Water Supply System. It's designed to proactively combat wildfires and protect life and property. Tony Meacham is with Cal Fire San Diego. We depend on our aerial firefighting resources to slow the spread of fire and then we follow up with our, with our ground troops. And what we've seen as the drought has intensified in California, that the usual places that we dip water from, our stock ponds and livestock ponds, those ponds are starting to dry up. Hayden Hamilton is the board president for the Rainbow Municipal Water District and hopes this is the first of many heli hydrants. Having these facilities in large numbers will be an investment that will pay dividends in homes saved, lives not lost, and peace of mind for our communities. And that reporting from KPBS's Melissa May. A contentious San Diego County Board of Supervisors public hearing resulted in a vote declaring the county a champion for reproductive freedom. The overwhelming majority of people who asked to speak at the meeting were against the declaration. KPBS's Alexandra Ron Hell has more. Access to safe legal abortion is social justice, it's racial justice, and it's economic justice. The motion passed in a three-to-one vote in favor of declaring the county of San Diego a champion for reproductive freedom. County Supervisor Nora Vargas is leading the efforts in the fight to respect a woman's choice when it comes to their reproductive health. Vargas says the county will remain a safe haven for women. We must promote and protect a woman's right to access healthcare services, and we must fund efforts to provide free and accessible health screenings for all women in our county. This declaration comes on the heels of a new law in Texas that bans most abortions after six weeks of pregnancy. The law makes no exceptions for cases involving rape or incest. District 3 Supervisor Tara Lawson-Reamer seconded the motion and thanked Vargas for championing the effort. That we stand together in protecting women's basic rights. More than 80 people requested to speak at Tuesday's meeting, the overwhelming majority all against the declaration. A child is a gift from God. Why are we not fervently advocating for life? This is disgusting and it is the way of death. Many questioned why the county wasn't championing freedom of choice for vaccine mandates. Champion health freedom for your citizens. Chair Nathan Fletcher joined the meeting remotely and was the third yes vote in the motion. Jim Desmond voted no and Joel Anderson was not present at the meeting. And that reporting from KPBS's Alexandra Ronhell. Garment workers in California are a step closer to having guaranteed hourly wages, thanks to a bill that's waiting to be signed by the governor. KCRW's Benjamin Gottlieb has the story. California's minimum wage sits at $14 an hour right now. But for many garment workers in the state, especially in the Los Angeles area, their actual wages 
are often half of that. That's according to a study by the UCLA Labor Center from a few years ago, and also bolstered by personal accounts by workers. Instead of offering an hourly wage, many manufacturers currently pay their fabric sewers and their cutters per piece of clothing, for example. This state bill would change that by mandating hourly wages. It would also upgrade a more than 20-year-old law that was meant to protect workers against wage theft by holding both manufacturers and fashion brands responsible for wage complaints. Now, no state has more garment workers than California. Proponents of this bill hope it will spark similar efforts in other parts of the U.S. There are some opponents, however, including the California Chamber of Commerce, which put the bill on its, quote, job killer list, saying it would drive large manufacturers out of California. And that was Benjamin Gottlieb reporting from Los Angeles. Coming up, many workers in the U.S. are facing burnout as a result of the pandemic and overall stressful working conditions. But are there any protections for workers facing mental health challenges in the workplace? We'll have more on that next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. an interesting dispute taking place between San Diego County and the county's former chief medical officer, Dr. Nick Yifantidis. Known to many as Dr. Nick, he was a prominent county spokesman during the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic. Here's Yifantidis. But I must be transparent and admit that eventually the stress became overwhelming for me. I couldn't run from it. I began suffering from depression and overwhelming anxiety. I lost my ability to sleep. And so in that situation, I did what I believe any of us would tell our loved ones to do, to take a brief leave of absence. After he took a medical leave of absence, Yuvantides claims he was not allowed to resume his position with the county. Now, in a lawsuit filed against the county, the doctor's attorney claims Yuvantides was thrown away because of his mental health disability. The county has not commented on the pending litigation. We're often told that there's a stigma surrounding mental health problems that prevents many people from seeking treatment. But can that affect employment? What protections are there in place for workers? And what can workplaces do to help those experiencing mental health challenges? Catherine Matthias is the founder and CEO of Civility Partners, an HR consulting firm focusing on helping organizations create respectful and positive workplace cultures. She spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Cavanaugh. Here's that interview. 
Since the pandemic, how would you say stress has shown up in the workplace? Well, we've all been through a a rough time, no doubt. And between figuring out a new way of work, figuring out a new way to parent, figuring out our relationships at home when we're stuck there with our loved ones, this has just been change after change after change and change causes stress. And then you've got you know, your the pressures of work, everybody needs to make sure that they can keep their paycheck and survive. So I suspect that many of us have been holding back on our stress or letting it come through in order to just put our heads down and get through this. Um, so I think this uh, pandemic and the stress it's created is not over. Once the pandemic is over, I think we'll still see stress as a big issue. What procedures are generally in place for workers suffering from depression or stress? Well, the law provides avenues for employees to take time off to take care of their mental health and take care of their stress. Um, Workers' Comp provides that opportunity. Um, FMLA provides that opportunity. So there is, uh, you know, the opportunity for employees to do what they need to do and take care of themselves. Would you say that there's still a stigma attached for workers who tell their employers that they have mental health issues? 100%. Absolutely. I think a silver lining here is that we've chipped away at that stigma a little bit with people being more willing to admit how they're feeling. But absolutely, there is a stigma. Now, without addressing the lawsuit that's been filed against the county, do you know of instances where people's employment has been threatened because of leaves of absence or treatment for mental health issues? Absolutely. It's not that uncommon. Um, Employers are focused on the bottom line. Something I see a lot in my work is that, you know, the the business owner or CEO is focused on the bottom line and, and sometimes or a lot of times that's at the cost of employee mental health. And you, you hear employees are leaving because of burnout and the employer sort of ignores that fact and continues to push people hard, continues to hold them accountable to high levels of work quality and and quantity. So from a business standpoint, you know, you're going to drive your employees to get whatever you can from them. But from a ethical and moral standpoint, you got to give your employees time to recover and function so that they can produce for you while they're there at work. So from what you're saying, it sounds like a lot of organizations are not equipped to handle uh, a stressed out workforce. I would say that's correct. Yeah, because what do you do if you have a team of 30 people, for example, and five of them are feeling the pressure and need time off? As a business owner or a CEO, that's hard to to manage. So what I think employers miss is they often push employees hard and then they need to take time off because of that versus if an employer can support mental health regularly and on a consistent basis, you won't have people leaving, you know, abruptly because they've all of a sudden burned out and need some time off. If an employee can no longer handle his or her fair share of the workload because of mental health issues, it must be a difficult decision for the employer about what to do. That's right. Absolutely. It is because you've got to balance your employees needs and, you know, you care about your employees, but you've also got a business to run and paychecks to pay. Um, So it is a a difficult place to be. And there isn't a a black and white answer case by case, you know, what's going on? What is that person's responsibility? Are there other people who can take on some of those responsibilities? 
So there's a lot of factors involved in figuring out what to do. How can the culture of a workplace become more accepting of people who are struggling with emotional and psychological problems? It's a loaded question because organizational culture is much about nuances as opposed to policies. So for example, if your managers are working crazy hours, sending emails at four in the morning, working on weekends, working over PTO, and you're an employee at the receiving end of those emails, while the manager may be saying, I don't expect you to respond at four, that's just when I'm working. There's a message that comes with that though, that you have to work hard in order to survive here. So that's an example of a nuanced culture change that needs to happen where organizational leaders need to make it very clear to managers that they need to, you know, exemplify mental health and wellness and that they're working at reasonable hours instead of working, you know, 80 hours a week. Um, So I think manager training is one big key to culture change here. Also, managers can be more vulnerable for their employees, you know, self-disclosure begets self-disclosure. So if a manager were to say things like, gosh, I'm feeling stressed out. How are all of you doing? Um, You know, it'll open the door for those types of conversations. But, you know, culture has to come from the top. The, The leader has to make it very clear that they're interested in the mental health of their employees and they're willing to work with employees in order to, you know, let them be healthy That was Catherine Matthias, founder and CEO of Civility Partners, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Cavanaugh. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.